Now we have the chance to hear some more progress notes. How many of you who have been here at the other evening meetings have appreciated hearing these progress notes, testimonies from others? I think it's especially meaningful and encouraging and practical for each one of us. We have some uh, special features tonight. First of all, we're going to hear from some of our medical students. I want you to know that uh, medical students and residents were instrumental in the formation of Amen from the beginning. And so uh, we're sponsoring them, but they have been uh, a part from the beginning and have been active and have even served on our board. And I would like to invite up uh, Jason Shives and Sally and Aaron Sarton at this time. Okay, Jason got here first. Now, Jason, as well as Sally and Aaron, uh, husband and wife, um, they're all fourth-year medical students at Loma Linda University. Now, um, Jason, just tell me what your spiritual state was when you came to Loma Linda. I thought you were going to tell them that. No, you tell them. Okay. All right. Um, Good evening, everyone. I don't like to talk too much about myself, but I'll try to make this uh, brief and that it'll pray that it'll glorify God. Um, prior to coming to medical school, I I have to be honest, I wasn't uh, the type of person that was actually wanting to go in for medical evangelistic type of reasons. I was actually I wanted to go into the medical field because it provided a secure job. Maybe maybe there this resonates with others, um, but it provided a secure job uh, uh, would would give a stable income. Um, that would be able to uh, support my family, things like that. Uh, I think um, somebody had mentioned the, you know, the kind of the American dream of being able to have, you know, your 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 winter home, your summer home, your fall home, and all those different things. Um, but those are those are things that were on my mind. Mission trips, yeah, those were an option, but medical evangelism uh, really was not an option at that time. Now, what happened uh, during your time as a student at Loma Linda uh, that has changed that? Uh, God transformed me. Amen. Amen. How did he reach you? <laughs> I like these op- open-ended questions, and then you get to the yeah. uh, um, Basically, what happened is um, during God has always uh, placed within me uh, a desire to want to, to serve, and I th- and that's something that um, and, I, and I, I like to s- I see needs, um, and I, I really. I really want to. Uh, I really resonate with wanting to fulfill those needs. Um, one need I think I saw at Loma Linda, or one need that several medical students prior to, to myself was the need for, um, uh, I, I guess, a, a revival or a re a recalling of of the Adventist message. Um, even at Loma Linda, I don't know how many of you actually attended Loma Linda University. Could I see your hands? Oh, quite quite a, two two hands there. Um, quite a few of you. Um, I didn't know at the time, but um, I, I had a, my family actually came in through some, some, um, some evangelistic series of prophecy seminars, actually by Pastor Mark Finley um, about 11 years ago now. Um, I had fallen away um, from, the, from what I would consider my roots as an Adventist, uh, became a nominal Adventist, kind of going through the motions. And uh, I, felt, I, felt that I felt comfortable as an Adventist. Um, when I came to Loma Linda, I realized that there's so many different, um, so many different, so many different views on things, and I, re- I really became, um, I really became 
uh, I, I questioned what I really believed. And while this was going on, um, I guess some other medical students that are actually a little, a few years ahead of me had, had taken it upon themselves to start uh, a student-run evangelistic series on the campus of Loma Linda, and that's called Restoration. And it's been going, this, the fifth year is actually going to come up pretty soon. Um, but I was actually the president of my freshman medical school class, um, and s- someone had invited me to take part in Restoration as an opening prayer. And I kind of thought of, oh, yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad you guys are doing this, you know, because Loma Linda, um, about half to a little more than half the students are not Adventist. And I really thought of, you know, this is a great way to reach those non-Adventists. And I was like, but I, I wasn't going to those myself. And uh, actually, the person that invited me to those meetings is here tonight, so it's kind of cool. Um, but I came, and it was Pastor David Ashrick who was giving the series. And I don't know if you've ever heard him preach before, but you, you don't leave those meetings without having something shooken within yourself. And I, I realized that I needed to be, I don't know if that, is that, a, is that shaken? Thank you. I'm, I'm still a student. <laughs> I've got the, uh, the season attendings correcting me up here. Um, uh, my evaluation's in a car. Okay. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, at, over the course of those two weeks, uh, my life was changed. And I, I had a, a renewed appreciation for the Seventh-day Adventist Church, the mission. It wasn't just, to me, it was no longer um, something where I felt like, you know, it was something that was keeping me from, from being happy, like with these rules and regulations. I saw those, those, unique, those unique things that um, we have as Adventists as, as things that God has blessed us with. I um, had a renew, renewed appreciation of that. And... Um, is that, is that enough? That's good. That's yeah. enough. Okay. Now, now, about the time that Restoration was started, Advent Hope was also started on Loma Linda campus. It's a Sabbath school of the university church, but really much more than that. And we are pleased to have the, the founders of Restoration and uh, Advent Hope here among us tonight. Now, Jason, you're involved uh, as the director of Advent Hope at this point. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what God is doing there now? Sure. Um, I don't know if, just kind of give a little bit of a, um, a background. Something's been happening um, in the Adventist church, I think, over the last four to five years. Um, I've noticed, even myself, um, that, that people are, are, are starting to catch a vision of, of, of something beyond themselves, something um, greater. And I think that the Holy Spirit is really starting to be poured out um, on our church. Um, things like General Youth Conference, which Mike has been integral, integrally involved in, um, it's, it's, it's like, it's like, I, you know, young people don't want to mess around anymore. They want to, they want something with substance. They want, they want to be in a mission. They want to be an army, uh, that does the Lord's work and, and finish the work. Um, and, uh, Advent Hope has that same spirit. Um, let's see, is this Steve in the audience here? Steve, why don't you stand up? Steve, uh, Waterbrook, he's actually a third year general surgery resident. Um, when he was a, a freshman medical student, he, he saw a need on the campus uh, to really reach out, and that's kind of where a lot of things started. And they started a group, a, a small group uh, type of Bible study during Sabbath morning, which eventually evolved over different. Um, and, and Tim Arakawa, who's sitting in, um, Tim, which, can you stand up for a second too? Tim, he's got the blue. Uh, thank you very much. Um, that's Tim Arakawa. He was actually the he was the religious vice president of the student uh, student association at Loma Linda, and he had the idea of starting an evangelistic series, and that was restoration. Uh, so so um, the Lord impressed Steve 
to, to start something that's a little more consistent to be a hub uh, for those that were, um, that were brought in through restoration to be nurtured. And that's what's happened so far. And I don't know what it was like back when you started, how many people, maybe 30 or 40, how many, 10? Five or 10 people started. This is about four years ago. Um, we have consistently now at Advent Hope, you know, sometimes up when Pastor Finley was there, we had over 400 people there, of course, but, um, but uh, we consistently have over 200 to 300 people, young people on campus that are, are, are studying the word, that are wanting to come. And, it's, and it was all started by, by mostly medical students, med- medical and dental students that wanted to see something different on the campus to provide another option uh, to worship God as biblically as they felt possible. So, Okay, we have... Aaron and Sally here, and they're serving, if I've got this right, as the outreach coordinators for Advent Hope. Tell us a little bit about the current outreach projects that are happening on campus led by students. Please. And thank you, Mike. We'd be glad to share that. First of all, I just want to say what a privilege it is as medical students to be here, to be invited uh, by your uh, graciousness to have us be here at the, the last two meet, two conferences. It's really a privilege to hear the testimonies. And uh, we just pray that in our practice we can emulate some of these testimonies as you follow the great physician Christ. Um, just briefly to tell you some of the, uh, the ways God has uh, enabled us to get involved in the outreach, uh, specifically with Advent Hope. Um, during that time there, we had opportunities to uh, get the uh, Advent Hope members, students uh, and health professionals, come get involved in door-to-door work. And this is you know, going, going door-to-door, knocking on, on those doors, trying to find... Uh, divine appointments that the Lord will lead us to. And just many uh, amazing experiences have been as a result of that, but you know, just asking them if they need prayer requests and these things. Another ministry we've been able to start up uh, is food boxes. And we've been able to uh, team with uh, San Bernardino Mission, going into San Bernardino. There's many needy families that call into the mission uh, for food boxes delivered once a month. And we had partnered with them before, but the food was all donated, not exactly... The, the healthiest. So we thought, well, maybe we'll, if we could put the food boxes together, but to get the names from them, we could deliver them. And we've just started that in the past couple of months and handing out literature as we go and again taking prayer requests. And it's, it's been a real blessing those who've participated and those who've who received it as well. Uh, another ministry as well, just briefly, uh, that was started before we uh, came on to have a hope was something called Singing Bands. And uh, Dr. Doug Plot is uh, very involved in this as well. Something that um, goes on every Friday night. Um, we will get together to go and sing to the patients in the hospital. And this has been a blessing to many patients over the years. Uh, it's a very valuable resource and a way to, to reach out and uh, really meet a felt need. And it's been a blessing to those who received it. A couple of other um, opportunities that we have provided um, are healthy cooking classes in the community of Loma Linda. And we had um, students and health professionals alike from Advent Hope actually run them. And it's been such a blessing. We had a lot of people come out and learn um, new healthy recipes that they can take home and use. And we've been following up uh, with them through email and sharing them with them about um, other events that they can come and and hear the word of God um, through and and um, other um, sorry events like CHIP that have been being, um, sorry, <laughs> that were held at Loma Linda as well. Um, and we had just started another um, 
outreach opportunity um, at the McDonald's, McDonald's house. I don't know if you all remember that there's families um, who come from all over the place, um, have children who come to our pediatric um, hospital at Loma Linda, and that's where they stay. And so we have a group now from Advent Hope who go there every Friday night to provide meals and to fellowship with them and to share Christ's love. And so these are some of um, the activities that are going on right now through Advent Hope Outreach. Thank you very much. It's encouraging to hear what the students are doing, right? Um, We'd like to announce a a networking session uh, tomorrow morning um, at 6.30. It's also the exercise time, but for students and residents, don't have to be from Loma Linda, who would like to network and continue planning, just meet here, 6.30 tomorrow morning. Jason would like to leave us with a Bible verse. Uh, before I do that, um, I hope you brought your Bible tonight. Amen. Uh, before we do that, I just wanted to just say that um, uh, one of the one of the ministries of Amen is to reach out to their backslidden colleagues, um, and I was definitely one of those. And I'm I'm, I'm grateful that you know that Tim and Steve uh, decided that you know they want that you know they wanted to take time from their lives to put into organizing and planning things that would reach other medical students. And I'm a testament of that. And I want to encourage you. Um, every single one of you have gone to school um, with, uh, with classmates that maybe uh, that you know are, are struggling either in their faith. Um, keep those people in prayer and, uh, and reach out to them when you can. Invite them to things like this. Um, and uh, I just want to just, you know, it's, 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 it's so awesome how God can really just transform the lives of those that, uh, that you may, may, may think have no, no chance. And... Um, I just wanted to leave you with that. So pray for your, your colleagues. Invite them to come to Amen next year. Um, and uh, let's see what the Lord can do. I mean, we brought 200 this, this, uh, this time. Maybe let's go for 1,000 next year. I don't know. Amen, yeah. I love Amen. Every time we say Amen, we think of medical evangelism now. Uh, turn, with your, turn with me in your Bibles to Joel. Joel chapter 2. And I'm going, to read it, I'm going to read it from the King James Version, uh, verse 28. And, uh, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Um, usually we think of that in the context of, of, of prophecy and future telling, but I, as I was reading that text, I was like, you know, that's, that's, it reminds me of what's happening now. We may not be seeing like visions like um, Sister White saw, but um, we're starting to see a vision um, of, of, of an imminent return of Christ. And I think what's happening is we're, be, we're becoming united behind a vision. And I want to, to um, just to challenge you guys to keep that vision at the forefront. When you leave, amen, that you keep that vision there um, and that you spread it to others uh, because the Lord does want to come back and he is pouring his Holy Spirit on all of us. Amen. amen. Thank you. That uh, text spanned the gamut. It wasn't just one age group, uh, one group of people that God's Spirit would use at the end of time. And so we focus um, not only those in the middle of practice, but on students as well, and also on retirees. And we want to invite uh, Roger Mahari, Dr. Roger Mahari, up. 
He retired about three years ago from general practice in Montana. One of the students. One of the students. He's one of the students, just to clarify, of Montana and Texas. And, but since retirement, he's gotten very involved in ministry at this time, and he's actually serving as our coordinator for the India Now Project in November. And he has a couple of stories from his experiences ministering in India that he would like to share with us tonight. I know I don't have much time, but I want to thank God for this amen uh, vision that someone had. I wish they had this when I was younger. It's a fantastic program, and I'm hoping the doctors take advantage of it. <clears throat> um, I'm going to tell you a couple of little stories, and uh, these happened in my first and second trip to India. Um, <clears throat> the first time I was there, uh, we, we I helped and unload some of the big some of the trucks, to helping the people off the trucks. And um, this uh, one fellow, I noticed he was one of the last guys off the truck, but there's about 30 or 40 people around him. And as he came down off the truck, uh, they had some steps that you, they take him off. They were called lorries. And um, as he came off the truck, I noticed he had these holding his arm. And uh, it was his right arm. Right arm, by the way. <clears throat> anyway, um, the, he said to me, he said, uh, I want to be healed. And he said, uh, I, I know you can do it. And then all the, all the guys around were pressing in, and they said, yes, you can do it, you can do it. And he kept going on. I said, wait, hold it, stop, stop right there. I said, I can't do anything. I said, only God in heaven can heal anyone. I said, don't even think of that I can heal nobody. So I said, I want you to get that very clear right at the beginning. I said, I, I can pray for you, and that's all I can do. And so I took his hand, his right hand, which was kind of crippled. I don't know whether the nerve injury, he fell or what happened, but his, his hand was kind of shriveled a little bit. His right hand, he couldn't move it very well. It didn't look like polio or anything. It looked more like a, a nerve injury, maybe a, a nerve from the, from the elbow or something. Anyway, I held his hand in my hand, and I, I thank God for the opportunity of being here. I thank God for this man accepting Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And I said, Lord, I said, you know, I don't have the faith of this man because I said, you know, when, when people came to you, I said, you healed them because of their faith. And I, and I asked him, and I, and I told the Lord, I said, you know, this guy doesn't have any job. He can't get a job because he's, he's shriveled up hand. And I said, well, if it's your will, Lord, I pray that you will heal this man. And by that, when I was saying this, his hand was starting to soften and they could feel flesh starting to develop in his, in my, in my hand, I could not believe this, and uh, and then pretty soon, as I and I continued to pray, and all of a sudden I couldn't say anything. All I could think of what's going on, and I, I, I looked down at his hand, and his hand was filling up, and and all of a sudden he grabbed my hand, and I looked in his face. His face was glowing, and and then all of, all of a sudden there was just a great big cheer, hallelujah, and everybody was jumping up and down, and and. Um, in fact, they even knocked me over. And, um, but it was a really an exciting time. Jesus Christ is healing people in India. I can, you know, there's many, 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 many stories. This happens all the time when you're on these mission trips. And, and those that are going to be going over in India in, um, in, in November, you're going to see and hear of many, many miraculous uh, healings. And uh, the second thing I'm going to talk about, just for a brief, I know I don't have much time, the second thing I'm going to talk about is we, were, we just got through dedicating a church. 
And, and the, when you get dedicated church, there's no pews. And uh, everybody sits on the floor, and there's a little tiny short platform you stand on. And I would stand on the platform, and the people were crowding around, and I was hoping they wouldn't come up on the platform because I didn't think. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where people crowd around you so much, they lift you right up off the ground. And you just, you have absolutely no control over yourself. Well, that's the way it is in India when they start getting, when they start pressing. And I was praying, and I had my hand out like this, and I had my hand on these people's, uh, on this one girl's head. And all of a sudden she started jerking, and, and I thought she's having a seizure. Like the old-fashioned grandma seizure. No, they don't use that word anymore. But anyway, uh, but it wasn't. And then she fell on the floor and she started convulsing, and this pastor that's uh, uh Indian pastor yelled, he said, Doctor, pray for her. So I grabbed the Telugu Bible, it was the only one there, and I put it down on her and I rebuked Satan. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I said, leave this woman. In the name of Jesus Christ, I went over and over the same thing. I couldn't think of anything else. And finally, after about four times or five times, I can't remember how many times, she started calming down. And then I kind of opened my eyes and I was looking at her and she started smiling and she stood up and back to normal. It's a thrilling experience and you're going to see this when you go to India. And the reason is, is I don't know if you understand, but in India right now, the Holy Spirit is being poured out. It's going to happen in the United States one of these days, but right now, is India, is the Holy Spirit is being poured out in a mighty way. I've been on the two campaigns I've been on, four, almost 48,000 people baptized. And on these next two campaigns, there'll probably be another 48,000 people baptized. I don't know if you know how many people that is, but it's a lot of people. And this, this group of people, if you go back a year later, there'll be, there'll be more than there was when you left. Because they have these little speakers, and every little village has speakers. They have a worship service. The gospel workers have a worship service every morning in these churches. And they have big speakers on the outside of the churches. They broadcast this out to the whole village, and everybody in the village gets a Bible study every morning. So that's why these churches are growing over there. And besides that, the God's given this little land of India another opportunity. And... Uh, so anyway, that's, that's the two stories. I could tell you more, but this is the only two stories I'm going to tell right now. Amen. Thank you so much. And both of those have happened within the last year, miracles that God has done in this last year. We've heard a number of uh, short-term mission reports, and we're going to feature a couple of long-term missionaries now. I want to invite Dr. Michael Robinson to come up. Dr. Robinson is a family practitioner by training. He heads up the Guam SDA Clinic, which is part of the a general conference uh, uh, health system, and uh, he actually uh, grew up in the mission field. Where were you born, uh, Michael? I was uh, born in uh, the United States, in Iowa, and when I was uh, seven years old, I went with my mom and dad to Africa, and we spent 11 years there. Amen. And um, tell us from your experiences growing up and your position now, how do you see the world of medical missions? What are the challenges? What are the opportunities? I'm very encouraged. Um, 
Right now, I see it as growing very, very well. Um, when we went out in 75, I was an eight-year-old child, and we went to mission stations, and there were many, many missionaries all over the world, 20, 30 missionaries, General Conference-sponsored missionaries, at every mission station we would visit. Uh, when we left in 96, um, that had receded. The missionaries had, had essentially retreated. We had been retreating uh, over the years, and... Uh, Praise God, we're not retreating anymore. We're going out, we're sending missionaries. And I'm very excited about that. Guam SDA Clinic, when I came out of residency, was really the only place where missionaries could go who had debts. And uh, thank to the, thanks to the foresight of um, uh, Dr. Hart now, uh, young residents can go out uh, pretty much anywhere in the world to a Seventh-day Adventist mission institution and be able to go there and have their debts amortized and be able to work long-term. We need long-term missionaries overseas, people who will be there 9, 10, 15, 20 years, who can bring the gospel to them. Fortunately, we don't have that much time, but we still need people who are committed for that long of a time because that really makes a big difference. The nationals need to see that we're committed uh, to that long-term. Amen. Now, we're happy that we have a hospital presence on Guam what about ministry? Uh, what can you tell us about uh, spiritual ministry and evangelism on Guam? We're really excited right now. We're uh, trying to follow the model that uh, Mrs. White gave with working hand-in-hand hand with the ministers. Uh, currently, we have a chaplain uh, in the clinic who the physicians work very closely with. Uh, last weekend, uh, we had a very unique opportunity. One of our patients had passed away. Usually this is a very sad occasion for physicians when we lose a patient. But this lady had been a patient of ours for 15 years. And you need to realize that in Guam, we've been there for 49 years on the island. The soil's been rock hard. Many, many, many providers over the years have come and planted seeds and watered them and sown and nurtured them. And it's been hard as rock. But you know what? The harvest is ready now. We are seeing people coming, asking for Bible studies, open to the gospel. And this last week, this lady died. She had been our patient for 15 years, she and her family. And um, they had the normal mass for them. And about two weeks after that, we said to her, you know, we've become very close to you and your family. Would it be all right if we had a memorial service for you in our church? And they said, yeah, we'd like that. So we got some pictures from the family, and uh, we got a, a nice program, high-quality program with slides and good-quality music the nurses sang. We invited people from the local Catholic hospital to come and sing and the nurses to participate, and we had a two-hour memorial service for her. Excellent quality. When they left away, they, when they left that day, they felt the Holy Spirit had touched their hearts God was so good. And that afternoon as I was sitting by the husband and we were eating together, he said to me, now what time is your Mass on Saturday? <laughs> God was good. He had touched that person's heart. And all his children were there. One daughter was from Texas. She was married to a Seventh-day Adventist. She was a Catholic. And she had come to Guam. And she said, uh, can I come to your Bible study? And she's studying with Dr. Supit right now in Guam. And the other day she said, you know, I was looking through that memorial service brochure and all those beautiful texts, and I'm looking at the pictures of Jesus, and 
What do Seventh-day Adventists believe about the dead? I mean, they're interested. They're ready. That's how Guam is. We have many, many patients like that. The problem is we don't have workers. And as I was coming over here, I said, Lord, we've tried. We've put out advertisements. We've advertised everywhere. We have a recruiter. Nothing's happening. We're not getting any doctors. You know, your job really is to send us doctors. The Lord said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he sends for doctors. And I said, Lord, why am I going? You know, I'm not supposed to be doing this. But he said to me, he said, tell them what's happening. Tell your experience. And that's why I'm here today, because I want to tell about what God is doing in Guam. The Lord has a huge harvest there. It's like India. It's just wide open. We need, we need workers. Amen. So we've got dedicated spiritual leadership. We've got a ripe situation. Your service is needed. So if one of you is moved or if you know someone who might be able to serve in Guam, please talk to Dr. Robinson. Thank you so much. I'd like to also invite up at this time uh, Dr. Herb Giebel. Um, I didn't have him slotted originally on the program, so if if you're not on the program already, I I suggest you come dressed like this. kind of helps. You've probably heard his family give the special music uh, already. Dr. Giebel is also a family practitioner, and uh, he uh, was born in Pakistan, and um, he is currently serving in Nigeria at uh, Ile Ife, and uh, is in charge of the family practice uh, residency program there. Um, Dr. Giebel, why don't you tell us what you're really trying to do uh, ultimately What's your, what's your basic thrust of your ministry there? Our, our ultimate ministry and purpose for being there is to try and help train and mentor physicians uh, in the amen perspective, if you would. And we have a lot more to learn along the amen, from the amen perspective. Mrs. White has spelled it out well. But we want to train physicians who are highly scientifically competent but, have, but are there for the mission of Jesus. Amen. And uh, tell us about the uh, uh, training program, the postgraduate training program that you have for local physicians. The training program we have is a family practice residency program. It's a little bit different than our programs here because uh, the residency programs typically are four years long, and they often go um, extend even to six years with the system we have there. We also have a rotating internship. When a physician finishes medical school, they um, do a one-year internship, and then, and then they go to the government for one year. Following that one year, if they want to do residency, they can then take a residency-specific entrance exam from one of the colleges and, and get in. So it's a little bit of a longer process, and then it's a minimum of four, and, and often up to six years before um, for the residency, residency training. We're going to be showing you a few pictures while we're talking as well. Now, you were telling me earlier about some areas of ministry that um, you're trying to achieve outside of the training program itself. It's true. There are a few things outside the training program, but I see most, most all of it as part of the training program. Mm-hmm. We, one of the areas that we have not done a very good job in in the past is really mentoring and encouraging um, our physicians to have whole person care in mind and, and tending to the needs of the whole person. So often it is easy when you, go to medical, when you go to medical school and your other education and then your postgraduate training, it's all in secular institutions, that you see your life being compartmentalized. And I think that, we, we've, that has already been mentioned here as well. 
and with our life being compartmentalized, we're here to do our work, and then maybe on Sabbath or at prayer meeting time, we'll go there. there. But like for the Muslims, we need to integrate our life all, all in, in, into one part. And as we heard earlier today, rather than injecting sp- the spiritual part, um, be spiritual and, and, and have that all as, as part of what is infused there. So we have um, seen the need to try and have what we have started out calling AIM, Adventist Institute of Medical Missions, where we can begin to mentor and nurture and encourage our medical and dental students and, and students in, in our other professional schools, all of which at, at, at the moment are in public schools and public universities. Many of them have grown up learning that, oh, to, to work for the church, yes, you should do that if you can't make it in life in, in, in any other way. And in, in fact, many of the, um, when, I, when we first went to Africa, we found many families and many pastors, if their child said, we want to be a pastor, they said, oh, no, you don't. Um, but I think that that is changing. And as we heard, heard a few moments ago, there is change going on, not only in America, but around the world. People are eager to begin to see how they can be more involved in God's ministry. So we want to be more involved in nurturing and encouraging our young, our young people while they're still in school, and then also to carry that on in, in um, internship and residency. We also... Um, go ahead. I know my time is short, so I don't want to... Yes, so you see Dr. Giebel is focusing on training local physicians to be able to care uh, for the local populace and also trying to instill in the physicians that they're training directly as well as the many uh, uh, medical students and the state universities with the same kind of mission um, mindset. Uh, Isn't that right? That's correct. I should probably mention that our hospital in Iliife is a 130-bed hospital. We have 250 um, student nurses because we have a school of nursing there as well. And then we have this young um, family practice and internship uh, training program. I'm also delighted that we have um, Aisha Inankur and Greg Steinke and Heather um, who are also here with us who have been with us in um, in Nigeria. Uh, And Jared Wong, thank you. And uh, time does not allow us to go into everything that's being done there, but they're working to help train gospel outreach and global mission pioneers in health, train local pastors in the health work, uh, work uh, to create a health ministries program for the division. They've also had uh, efforts at outreach uh, through the uh, public uh, television broadcasting system. And so it's really amazing to me all that God is doing uh, through this project. And I think it and others like it deserve our prayers. And also, tell us a little bit about your needs for current physicians who may be able to fill them and also for students or trainees who are thinking about the future. Our first need is prayer. And we covet and we, th- and we thank those of you who have already been praying for us. And we, we covet more of you praying for us and for God's work there, there in West Central Africa. West Central Africa, is, much of it is in the 1040 window. Much of, of our population in the division um, are Muslim and, and are very hard to reach. In Nigeria specifically, um, we have about half of our population Christian and the other half, half Muslim. As was mentioned earlier, the harvest is ripe. The laborers are few. And, and we are looking for, um, for more help. One of our critical needs is that since Dr. Scow left us ten, um, two years ago, we have had no general surgeon. Previously, we had Dr. Saunders and Dr. Scow, two, two surgeons being kept busy at the hospital 
We also see a lot of orthopedics. Um, we could use an orthopedic surgeon, and um, potentially we, we may be looking for another internist or pediatrician as well. Um, where, um, so if, there's, if, if you know of anybody or if you are a person who would be interested um, to help us in the area of general surgery, short-term, long-term, um, we are looking for you. We are also eager and happy to, to work with students and residents if they're interested in coming out, out for a, a mission um, elective or an international elective. Let me just close my part with a, um, very briefly a couple of stories. I had Dr. Issa come to me from northern Nigeria in the heart of um, the most the heart of the most strict Muslims that we, that we have in Nigeria um, as part of a, of a research project that he was on. And he, and he said, Dr. Giebel, I have come here to get Alan White books from you. I evaded him, um, but to make a long story so short, w when it came back, came back time for him to leave and he hadn't gotten his books yet, he said, if you can't supply me with Alan White, White books, I'll have to go back to my Pentecostal pastor and photocopy his great controversy. <laughs> he said, and then about Desire of Ages, he said, you know, that person wrote not about Jesus, but as if he was there when it happened. <clears throat> I had another Dr. Issa, a veterinarian, who after seeing how we were treating a terminal AIDS patient, accused me and said, why are you wasting family resources on someone where you can't do anything about and you know they will die? You are really cheating this family. This is an injustice and, you, and is immoral. I said, you know, this family came looking for hope. They've been to all of the big, big teaching hospitals. They've been to many places. And they finally come to us here because they were looking for hope. If there is nothing else that we can do, and he dies, but we've had a chance to give him and his family hope, we will have done our job. This Muslim doctor, he looked at me and he said, Dr. Giebel, you have really disappointed me. I said, I'm sorry. He said, you have really disappointed me. I said, forgive me, what can I do, do to, to fix the problem? You have really disappointed me. I said, what's the problem? He says, I have worked with you for almost one year, and you have never given me Bible studies. <laughs> the fields are ripe. The laborers are few. I know you have it here in the States. We have it out there also. And go where God, God specifically leads you. Um, he will lead you to, to the right place. But um, pray for us. Even if, if you're not out there in person, you can be out there in your prayers. Amen. Thank you very, very much. Thank you so very much.